My name is Christopher Peter. I am the political economist behind the Christopher Peter Review. I welcome you to my new podcast series, The Christopher Peter Podcast, brought to you by the Christopher Peter Channel. In this new series, I will discuss a broad range of topics, centered on investing, but will also include business and industry current events, brand analysis, sports, and entertainment, and more. I will continue to bring my economic perspective but will also look at topics with the eye of an investor. I want to encourage people to consider investing. Not by telling people what to invest in. I do not offer financial advice. I leave that to licensed professionals that will work with you to find the right mix of tools that meet your needs, wants, and situation. Rather I discuss from an economic perspective why people, organizations, and governments invest. To show you what common asset classes are available. And to discuss the brands, companies, and organizations behind these tools to see what value they offer investors, consumers, and society. There was a time in my life when I thought investing was only for the wealthy because the people you typically see referred to as investors are wealthy people. I was naive not to consider the possibility that maybe these individuals were wealthy because they invested. One does not need to start off with wealth to be an investor. Although, wealth does help reduce risks. I was not independently wealthy when I started investing, and still not, but I learned early in my career that investing was essential towards having some level of financial security and stability. I will get into that a bit later. Let us start at the beginning. Why do people invest? That is the essential first question. Each one of us are different people with different values, different needs, different wants, and different norms. But one thing that we all want is some level of security against the unknown. Also, we want to position ourselves or our households to be better off tomorrow than we are today. We never know what tomorrow holds, but we all know from early on that having a nest egg or something to fall back on helps you in time of need. The primary objective for why a person invests is to increase wealth. In order for us to be better off tomorrow than we are today, we need to have either more financial security or less financial responsibilities in the future. Either we have more in the bank or other financial institution or we have less debt, less bills, or less obligations. We invest to grow our wealth for a variety of reasons. To grow wealth for a better future, for retirement, for college tuitions, for the big life purchases, for hedges against the unknown, for financial independence, or for the sake of managing money that we cannot spend in the moment. I wish I had that problem. But we invest because we want something in the future that is not currently possible. So why not just save money? Well investing is a form of savings and savings is a form of investing if you really think about it. From an economic perspective alone, you are willing to save a dollar if you have no current productive use for that dollar which could bring you greater utility now than in the future, whether it be the next day, the next week, next month, or next year. For those in the audience who are not aware, utility is a term in economics that generally means satisfaction, benefit, or something good. A summation of what people get for partaking in an economic activity. So, that is essentially the basis of why people save. There is no immediate purchase that we can make right now that makes us better off than saving that dollar for the future. If we spend that dollar in the vending machine for a snack when we are actually full or comfortable, then we realize that we might be a dollar short on buying gas tomorrow, paying rent or a mortgage, or something else that is important. We have less utility than if we would have just put that dollar back in our wallet or purse. Of course, we must keep in mind that economic principles assume rationality and all things being equal, caterus paribus. As we know, people are unique, so some people may value spending more in the present. Some may not feel bad if they spend money today that could have paid expenses tomorrow. Generally, people would more likely save that dollar if they knew they had something more important to buy in the future than right now. So, we all understand now that we save and invest for future purposes that we hold as more valuable than current circumstances.
But again, why should we invest, when we could just put away some money every paycheck in a savings account, or maybe go wild and get a money market account or certificate of deposits? Those are investing tools as well. When you put your money in a savings account or those other tools, those funds will be invested. Just not by you. Banks will use those funds to offer loans to home buyers, entrepreneurs, car buyers, and governments for example, then return interests from the proceeds to owners of those accounts to cover the cost for their investing activities. Since those funds are invested, should you not get the biggest proceeds of the investment? Should you have some say in what your money is invested in? Right? The bank does not call us and say I'm giving a mortgage to this couple who neither of them have yet to hold down a job, but we feel real good about this one. Sure, there are rules and regulations, but you still lack say. And there are avenues to find better returns depending on your level of risk tolerance and understanding of the assets. I would warn you that you should probably not invest in something that you have not researched yourself. Your financial advisor can help you, but you also ground yourself in some basic level of understanding to know if you are getting sound advice or not. Just always a rule of thumb for me. Some in our society may have a distorted perception of what an investor is. I thought an investor had to be rich. Also, our politics assigns false or misleading attributes to investors. Investors are made out to be greedy. In reality, investors provide the financial capital needed for entrepreneurs to fund their ventures, companies to fund growth projects, and governments to maintain infrastructure or execute environmental projects. Those who commonly attack capitalism fail to account for the fact that capitalism allows the average person to elevate themselves by providing capital needed to undertake activities that generate economic activity for a return on their investment from the proceeds of those activities. Being an investor is not greedy. Rather you are offering people the resources to make their dreams come to fruition, but requiring compensation just to make sure that one's dream does not become your nightmare. Anyone can be an investor, but you have to put in some work to become a good investor. I would define a good investor as one who is able to identify opportunities early when they are not obvious. For instance, in Innovations in Sports and Entertainment, I discussed the merger between the parent company for the UFC and the WWE. Iconic owner of the WWE Vince McMahon saw something that many in the media did not see. There were many articles questioning whether his valuations for the global professional wrestling leader was reasonable. The merger proves that his viewpoint was correct. And that he was able to see what tomorrow could be not just what the present is. Many investors are good with numbers. That is important but numbers are not the only aspect of a company. I think keen investors are ones who try to determine what the companies they invest in will look like in the future. Not using psychic abilities. Rather look at the available information, the numbers, releases from the company, news reporting, and other data to determine how the company views its future place and what is it doing to get from now to the future point. How a company spends its funds tells greatly where they believe they are going. It is important to not only know the numbers, identify trends, and connect the data with information to get a complete picture. If the picture is fuzzy then maybe it is not the right company to invest in or the right time. For instance, if a company talks about being made in America, are you seeing investments in domestic production or delivery? If they continue to invest in offshore production, then what they say is not what they really believe. We recall with Sears, there were some moments of positive growth towards the end. The reality was that there were some efforts done to preserve liquidity as long as possible, but investors going solely by numbers might have been tempted to invest. There are one-time sales or write-offs that companies make that impact financial reports. You have to temper that with information to determine the true value. Sometimes being a visionary is not being able to see the future. Might just mean that one is able to take a collection of available information and identify useful findings that indicate where an organization may be positioned in the future.
Not every sports general manager can predict what players will be locks to be successfully not only in their respective leagues but on their respective teams. Many rely on traits or information that successful players have more times than not. Sometimes those data points change. Sometimes they stand the test of time or make a reappearance. That is why I find the media sessions with these general managers so interesting after player signings or drafts because I like to hear what they were thinking when they made their decisions. Why did they choose this player or that player? The great general managers are not always right. But, they are consistent enough to maintain their position with their teams. The best investor is not always right. The real risk in investing is that you miss something or what you foresaw in the future did not pan out for reasons not in the data, information, or evidence you used to make that decision. But I think investors who are disciplined in their processes and principles will do well enough over time to progress forward with their portfolios or funds. Part of being a disciplined investor is understanding what your acceptable level of risk is. Each investor must set their level of tolerable risk. I do not like to compare investing to gambling, but gambling does provide an effective example for understanding risk in a manner that we all have seen in life. For example, pretend you are in a casino either in Atlantic City or Las Vegas. You may see a good amount of people at the high stakes or high roller sections. And you will see a whole bunch more at the penny or quarter slots plugging away until it is time to do something else. Two different sets of patrons. We would consider those at the high roller tables to be more risk preferred, willing to play hands or games with higher amounts of money at stake, hoping to eventually win the big prize. Those on the slots are probably more risk averse, not willing to risk significant amounts of hard earned money playing a game. Now, risk averse or risk preference is not a direct correlation to the income level of a person. Some low income individuals are more open to risk because they are trying to reverse their personal situation on a single hand or a single night. While some wealthy people are protective of their wealth, hoping to preserve as much as possible to pass down to future generations. There are real risks in investing like there is in gambling. Regardless of how much research you do, there is always more to know. Different ways to interpret the data. So, it is important to understand there is always risk in any market. Our risk tolerance or perception may change over time, depending on experience with investing, education on markets and industries, and potential regulations put in place. Back to our gambling example, if you are new to blackjack, maybe you want to start at the low stakes tables. See how other players manage certain hands. Study more about probabilities of certain outcomes. And then you may play a higher stakes table. Continue learning more and progressing as you become more comfortable with your knowledge and are able to hone your skills and strategy more. Same with investing. While you can rely on a financial expert, the more you know about investing and the more you familiarize yourselves with the ideas they offer you, the better you will feel with those choices or pushing back for different strategies. In gambling, you cannot completely reduce risks. Gambling is a game of chance or exploiting asymmetric information. In investing, investors can reduce risk through asset diversification. Investments in stable, growing, or high probabilities of growth can offset potential losses for investments in riskier investments. For instance, if you like a company but your research does not back your feeling. But you cannot shake that feeling you might want to consider pairing that investment with an investment in a company that is a consistent and predictable performer. Therefore, a loss may be mitigated if your hunch is wrong. You cannot really do that in gambling. I think good investors are self-aware. Just like other successful people. They understand what they are good at while at the same time building on their skill sets. If you find success trading stocks or investing in real estate, you probably should make that the centerpiece for your investment strategy. Asset diversification is important to reduce risk, but being disciplined in your strategy and focusing on areas that you have personal historical data with can also reduce risk while at the same time diversifying your portfolio. We all want to learn new things. Learn new skills.
but we need to build on our foundation while not putting our entire structure at risk. So, I feel like a good investor is one who is able to identify opportunities through research and analytics, manages risks, and is disciplined over time, while seeking responsible growth over time. So, we know why people invest. Because they want to make their tomorrows better than today by taking funds not needed in the moment to grow into funds that make tomorrow more comfortable than their current state. Or to achieve a set objective like paying for college, retirement, housing or something else. We also know what makes a good investor. A person able to identify opportunities in the future who can take those funds and responsibly invest in a manner to give the greatest possibility of achieving that future objective. So, what else can we get from investing? I think having an investor perspective is important not only in the art and science of investing, but in life in general. Keen investors will seek opportunities that will maximize returns with the least amount of risk. The whole risk-reward concept that we all know. Generally, the higher the risk, the higher the reward because you should be compensated for the risk you are accepting. But again, we know to temper those risks. Outside of the investing world, you could use that investing perspective to identify opportunities to advance your career by trying to identify whether your current employer values you in the same manner that another one does. Doing so in a responsible manner by trying to maintain your good performance while seeking other opportunities. In a job search, many people may look at the job description, salary, benefits package, and some news clippings. A person with an investor perspective may look at how well the company has grown over the last five years to project how stable the opportunity truly is may question how that growth led to increased full-time employees, signaling that the company expects growth to continue. A person may look at their current company for the same stats to determine if they need to make a move driven by their choice rather than the request of those higher on the organizational chart. We may have good or bad feelings about the places we work, but we must temper those feelings with facts, data, and evidence to determine if it is the best fit for us. Also, you could use this perspective to determine whether you are living in the best possible place for your situation. Is the school system providing the education quality for your household? Is the community providing the safety, security, and opportunity for your household level? Is your vehicle, appliances, or other technology providing the same utility or is there a reasonable opportunity to upgrade? Investors also understand how long to hold assets. So that is important in life as well. Sometimes we stay at a job too long and miss opportunities for advancement. Sometimes we hold on to a car too long and become exposed to the need to buy a car market rather than the preferred one to buy a car, when we can walk away from a negotiation. I think the investor perspective can help us better manage our circumstances rather than becoming victim to them. So why did I become an investor? I do not hold any financial licenses or investing credentials from an institutional perspective. My journey with investing started with my first bonus at my very first place of professional employment. Throughout college, I worked three jobs and took out loans to pay my way through school. Afterwards, I knew that investing would be important to my future to ensure that I had some level of financial independence. So I took my first bonus with the company and opened my first investment account. The minimum amount to open the account was $500. Good thing the bonus was for $512. Since I graduated from a good university with a double major in economics and marketing, I felt that I had the proper book knowledge that I would need to navigate the markets on my own. Also, let us not forget the fact I did not have the funds to pay the commission fees that came with the use of a financial advisor. But, I still had the knowledge of finance, economics, and others fresh in my mind. Also, one of my jobs during college was in public relations with a financial regulator, so I continued that routine of absorbing as much news from the business, policy, and other sections from as many papers as possible. Despite this, I decided it was best for me to do what many new investors do and start with companies that made products that I actually purchased. So, 
If you listen to a recent episode on my main podcast, The Christopher Peter Review, you may know that I am not much of a luxury brand type of person. So I was not going to invest in companies like Gucci, Chanel, or others because I was not familiar enough with their product lines and potential launches or their financial or operational data. So I started with fast food companies that I frequented during my long commutes to and from the office. Bought stock in the cable and cell phone companies I used. For many of the brands, products, and services I used and some that I still use, I always looked at what they are doing next, what products are coming or are they growing or in danger. The one transaction that really paid off for me was investing in the car company that I recently made a purchase from their local dealership. I came into the unanticipated need to purchase a vehicle, so I decided to buy a brand new Ford Focus, my first brand new car. My perspective in buying a brand new car, rather than continuing with the used options, was because of my long commutes and family responsibilities. The potential savings would be offset by the risks. Although this was my first personal experience with Ford, I always was a fan of their products. Loved their trucks and Mustangs. So, I decided to buy a vehicle from a local dealership and as I was driving home, I decided I would invest in Ford as well. At the time, Ford was not doing so well as a company. But, it was going through a change in leadership and had new product lines coming out. So I thought it would be a suitable company to invest in because I figured that one of America's oldest brands would be poised for a revival. I spoke to Abbott investors I knew before making the purchase. Some did warn me to hold off but stated that it would be the optimal time because of where the price was. So, I decided it was worth making it my largest investment, considering again that I was starting with only $512. Luckily, Ford stock rose rather quickly, allowing me to be able to more than double the value of my portfolio allowed me to sell some and diversify my small but growing portfolio at the time. I learned an important lesson in finding value where others do not. Although I did research new lines and models that they were potentially in the future, I did get a bit lucky because I was not well versed in reading financial disclosures like annual reports or 10Ks just yet. I invested based on brand and what I thought was a good chance it was undervalued because of what could come next. Now, I do a better job with the analytics side along with the branding research. Over time, I continued to take part of my paychecks and invest. Set up additional accounts to have one that was for my conservative trades and one for more volatile trades. Looking back, I remember many of my co-workers would go on weekend trips to Atlantic City after the Fridays we got paid. I turned down invitations to go on subsequent trips because I decided I would do my gambling on Wall Street. Interesting how some people were puzzled when I said that. But, since that time, I continued to build up my portfolio, which was very useful during my pursuit of my MBA where I needed to help offset my living costs as I left the job market. There are many obstacles that we do not always foresee. But, investing can help protect from the worst-case scenarios. My investor perspective has been a valuable asset to me outside of the financial market space. For instance, it helps me look for opportunities to meet needs not met wherever they exist. I decided to start what is now the Christopher Peter Review to help provide a perspective commonly missing from the national conversation. In other endeavors, I seek to help organizations find operational efficiencies by seeking ways to break the status quo if there is value to be gained. Again, the investor perspective is not just identifying opportunity, but properly vetting that opportunity to determine if there is a value there or to ensure the right strategy is taken to be successful. There are always opportunities, big ones or a series of small ones to make our future better than our present. The goal needs to be to identify them, qualify them, and realize them. So where do we go from here? My long-term plan is to set aside some funds and invest in select brands, where in future episodes I track performance. I plan to share with you why I decided to invest in these companies and look at companies that I chose not to invest in as well. In addition, 
I plan to give you some tools that I will use to track performance and determine whether they helped or hurt the process. Please keep in mind again this is not financial advice. Please confer with people in the field of financial advisory when you do decide to invest or make trades. My goal is just to encourage people to take interest or consider investing. You might as well make your money work for you. In my next episode, I am going to discuss different assets that I will consider investing in. Then I will let you know which ones made the cut, why and how I think it may help me make this new fund beneficial to my efforts with the CRC channel and my podcasts. Please continue to visit the CRC channel at www.crcchannel.com and experience my main podcast, The Christopher Peter Review at www.crcreview.com. I thank you in advance for your viewership and look forward to our next discussion.